Okay, well, welcome, welcome, welcome tonight uh, to our discipleship class, Rooted. We are growing deeper in Christ. I'm so excited uh, to see you all here tonight. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to share my screen because I've got this for us today. Um, can you all see this? Sweet. Um, so we're going to do this tonight. I think this will be able to be a great, um, a great help, a great tool to you all. So as we, um, as we look at this, um, I'm excited to just be able to, uh, to be able to talk through these things with you all. Of course, if you have questions or comments or concerns, those are always welcome. Um, but we are diving into the doctrine of pneumatology tonight. I'm super pumped, super excited. And um, I hope that, uh, uh, that this, this will be a blessing to you. Uh, man, we are in our third doctrine already, our third doctrine. And we are just moving through it. There are 10 total. And so we're having a great time. So let's pray. And then we're going to dive into pneumatology, the doctrine um, of the Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your son and for sending him to die on the cross for our sins, Father. I just pray that you would just use this time uh, for us to just draw closer to you, and Father, we will give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, and we're thankful. Amen. All right, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Let's get into some, uh, some preliminary things here. So... Um, when we look at pneumatology, right, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, there's some things that we have to talk about just right up front, all right? We have to make sure we understand that our doctrine must be based on scripture and not on experience, all right? Not on experience. A lot of times we want to use um, our emotions, uh, our emotional experiences, uh, the different things that we go through in our lives, and we try to use those to override scripture. So let's make sure that we understand that we are supposed to be scripturally objective as we look through this make sure that we are scripturally objective and making sure we understand that the primary focus is for us to be look at the doctrine of the holy spirit from a scriptural standpoint and not from experience right so as we look through this um, through the study uh, key scriptures must be examined carefully and that's what we're going to be doing we're going to be doing our best uh, to make sure that we examine the scriptures we comb the scriptures and make sure that we uh, that we do this right, man, and that we uh, that we uh, we give time to just focus on what the Lord has to say about this topic and not um, our own selves. Um, as we as we examine the scriptures, we're going to see what it says about Himself, right? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and then we're going to see what it says about concerning His work. And so those will be the kind of the two ways that we kind of uh, break this down in an effort to not keep us here too too long. Um, I've, I've kind of uh, just mapped out the things that we're going to cover today, um, and we're, uh, we're going to look at two major things as we talk about who is the Holy Spirit, right? Who is the Holy Spirit? And what we'll break down is his identity, and then we're going to break down his personality, and then that's where we will uh, we'll pause for tonight. I don't want to rush through pneumatology. Pneumatology has a lot of, a lot of information. And I don't want us to just skate past it and lose things. And so uh, we're going to talk about who he, who he is. So um, as far as his identity goes, um, he is not just energy. Sometimes people can say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of gets a, doesn't get a fair shake sometimes. It, 
uh, uh, he he ends up getting said, you know, he's just like the breath, or he's the energy, or he's the vibes of God, right? And we, we say all kinds of things like that, and um, that's not the case. Uh, we have to make sure that we understand that he's not just this cloud that surrounds God, or or you know, just a spirit, um, but that we understand that he he is a person, he's a position, right? And in, in the Trinity, um, he also is not just a created being. Again, as we talk about who the Holy Spirit is, sometimes the Holy Spirit does not get a fair shake. Uh, why is that? Because we, we kind of look at the Holy Spirit and say, man, he's not as important as the Son, or he's not as important um, as the Father. And, and that's, not, that's not the case at all. So he is not just some energy from God. He is not a, something that was created in the first day of creation. Um, that's not his position um, at all. So who is he, right? Who is the Holy Spirit? Um, and this is where we're kind of going to get into a little bit of uh, scripture here and, and kind of dissect the word as we look at his identity. Um, first, we have to understand that he is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's the third. He's God. He's the third person of the Trinity. The Bible says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three um, are one. So he is God, uh, the third person. Um, of this of the Trinity, and something that we can look at is actually Matthew chapter twenty-eight. Matthew chapter twenty-eight is something that we can look at, and uh, it can it can give us an opportunity to really um, to really be able to to make sure we're giving enough time and attention uh, to this. So while you turn to Matthew twenty-eight, look at something. Okay. Okay. All right. Matthew 28 and verse 19 is where we'll be. Matthew 28 and verse 19. What's that? Okay. Matthew 28 and verse 19. It says this. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so we, what we find in here is what's called the baptismal formula. And the baptismal formula uh, kind of talks about there, in, as a part of the Great Commission, what Jesus's, um, what Jesus's commission to them was, right? To go out and teach all nations and to baptize them. Uh, but if you look at it, it says, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And in this, we kind of see that they're on equal footing despite uh, the sequential nature that they are referenced, right? So despite the fact that they are mentioned sequentially, uh, they all are at a place where they are all on, um, on equal footing. He is called God and has all of God's attributes, right? He is, called, he is called God and has all of God's attributes. And so that's a common theme that you'll find out. We looked at theology proper. We talked about God and all the different attributes that God has. And then we looked at Christology and looked at all the attributes that he had and how those correlate uh, with God, how those correlated with him being the son. And now we're going to see something similar um, as we look at the Holy Spirit, right? As we look at the Holy Ghost. So what kind of attributes um, does the Holy Spirit have? have so if he has the same attributes of god that means that he is 
first eternal. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. Look at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. It says this, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, capital S, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. So we see in verse uh, 14 of Hebrews chapter 9 that he is called the eternal spirit. So he is eternal, just as God is eternal, just as Christ is eternal. Also, we're going over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. What kind of attributes does God have? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and look at verse 10. It says, but God hath revealed him, them to us, unto us by his spirit, capital S, for the spirit, capital S, searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man, which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit, capital S, of God. So not only is he eternal, but the Holy Spirit, he is omniscient, right? So we're getting to know who the, who the Holy Spirit is based on his attributes, right? He is omniscient. When we, we, de we defined omniscience as meaning he, will, he knows all the things that he wills himself to know. Whatever he wants to know, he knows, right? He but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, right? All things. And he even reveals things to man of things that no one knows except God does. So, of course, we see that he is omniscient. So, he's eternal. He's omniscient. We're going over to the book of Job. The book of Job. We're looking at some preliminary um, information just as before we get into, of course, what he does. We'll talk about the Spirit's teachings and, and his functionality and all those things. But we got to make sure we have the foundation laid, right? We got to have the foundation laid. Job 26 and verse 13. It says this. By his spirit, he hath garnished the heavens. His hand hath furnished. Has, sorry, by his spirit, he hath garnished the heavens. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. Lo, these are parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him. But the number of his power, who can, um, who can understand? Who can understand? So by his spirit, he garnished the heavens. Looking at this, he is omnipresent. He's omnipresent. Just as the holy, as God is everywhere, just as the as the as the uh, as the the Christ is, can be everywhere, so is the Spirit um, everywhere. He even to the point where he he garnished the heavens. He we see them having a part in in this um, in in creation, um, and we'll talk about of course the next thing coming up in a second. Uh, but how even what we're talking about in verse fourteen, lo, these are parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him. Right, he kind of gets pushed away under the side and not realizing uh, how much power he has. Right, but the thunder of his power, who can um, understand? So he's omnipresent, and of course, uh, we know what follows that is that he is. Oh, we're missing something. We're missing. We're missing one. All right, turn over to Psalm one thirty nine. Psalm one thirty nine. Psalm 139. 
And we're going to look at verse 7 of Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is actually one of my favorite psalms, um, but uh, I'm excited about this. Uh, Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10, um, it says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, right? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? So I had the scriptures backwards. Job 26, 13 is going to be for what's, uh, of course, he is omni he's omnipotent. He's omnipotent, which means all powerful. So Job 26, 13 goes to him being omnipotent. Psalm 139, 7 through 10 is going to him being omnipresent. So we kind of, I had those mixed up a, a, a bit. Sorry about that. Uh, but whither shall I go from thy presence, from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take my, the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. So uh, we're looking at him and his attributes. He is eternal, number one. Number two, he's omniscient. Uh, number three, he is omnipresent, right? Um, uh, and of course, he is um, he's omnipotent, right? He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. So he uh, he will he knows all that he wills himself to know. He he is wherever he wills himself to be. He can do all that he wills himself to do. He's eternal. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Um, and he also is holy. We're going over to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. In Acts chapter two, in verse four, it says this. Verse back up to verse three. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak um, in his own language. And so we're looking at some of the, um, some of the, the attributes of, of, God, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but but he's holy, right? He's holy. Um, the word holy means set apart, right? He's set apart, and we see him. Um, we see him being called the Holy Ghost, right? As they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, set apart. Uh, he's got the specific purpose, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit uh, gave them uh, gave them utterance. And so, um, so that's something to look at. He is holy, all right. And then also, First John chapter five. First John chapter five. What do we look at so far? We looked at the fact that he was eternal. Uh, we looked at the fact that uh, he is omniscient. He is um, omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Um, he is holy. And so now we're looking at first John chapter five. First John chapter five and look at verse six. It says, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ not by water only, but by water and, and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit, right, capital S, is truth. So who is the Holy Spirit? As we look at his attributes, we find out that he is truth. He is the embodiment of what truth is. He is eternal. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is holy. He is truth. 
So we're getting to know him by his identity, right? His identity, his personality. What does his identity look like? He's not just energy, right? He's not just energy. He's not just some uh, created being. He is God. He's the third person of the, of, the, of the Trinity. He's on equal footing with the other two parts of the Trinity. He's eternal. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He is uh, omnipotent. He is holy. Um, he is truth. So we're going to kind of shift gears a bit. And we're going to look at this portion right here and uh, talk a little bit about his personality. Um, and, and after we get done with his personality, that is where we will uh, conclude uh, today. I'm trying to help us to be more con uh, concise and, and not just drag it out. We want to take our time so that we can digest it. Uh, before, um, before I get into um, his personality, um, but I want, one of the things I want you to remember is that these things that we look at, as we look at the attributes of God, the attributes of Christ, the attributes of the Holy Spirit, I want you, I want you to, to realize something. The reason why I started teaching these three doctrines first is because these can be very devotional for you. These can be very devotional for you. And as you look at these, you can claim uh, the kind of power that God has and that he exhibits and use that as you fight to live victorious Christian living through, these, uh, through his identity, through his personality, uh, through the different aspects of their character uh, that we've been talking about. So don't just look at these as just some biblical facts. Hide these words in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Get to know your God. Get to know your Christ. Get to know your Holy Spirit. Get to know their functions. Get to know their position. Get to know what they can do in your life. Know these things. As you learn and know these things, you can apply these to your life and they'll help you as you strive uh, to live a victorious Christian life. So what we're going to look at now is his personality because his personality is not just revealed through his identity, but his personality is also uh, revealed through his identity. So in his personality, what do we find out? Is that when his personality is revealed through his names, we find out some very important things. First, uh, what are, the first thing that we have uh, for him is, of course, what the doctrine is named after is he is called the Holy Spirit. He's called the Holy Spirit. Go over to Luke. The Gospel of Luke. The Gospel according to Luke. Chapter 11. And look at verse 13. It says this. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, capital H, capital S, to them that ask him? So he is called uh, the Holy Spirit. Um, he is a spirit, and he is not bound uh, by, uh, by a physical body. Uh, we get the word spirit. If you look at the word pneumatology, we see the word, we get the first word as we break it down as the word pneumos. Pneumos means uh, a wind, right? A fresh wind, a fresh wind, right? Um, um, and, and, and of course, pneumatology is speaking the, the, stu the study or the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, but it's talking about how uh, he's a spirit. The word spirit means breath, right? He's breath. The Bible says um, um, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration means God breathed, right? And the Bible talks about how God filled um, holy men of God uh, with the Holy Spirit and used them to write his word. So the word spirit means breathe. So we break down him uh, being the Holy Spirit. We kind of get this really beautiful 
uh, definition of what he is and what he looks like. So uh, he is a spirit. He's not bound by a physical body. The word spirit means breath. Okay. Um, we also see another name for him is called the spirit of God. The spirit of God. First Corinthians chapter three is where we are next. First Corinthians chapter three. All right. In first Corinthians chapter three and verse 16, it says this, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. So he's called the spirit of God, the spirit of God. I love it that he's not just someone who, who has his own, his own position and his own place, but he's also referred to being as a spirit of God. That's that, that further points, uh, to the, to the, the importance of the Trinity and how he's not just a, rep, a representation or a figment of himself, but he's a representation and a figment of, of God as well. He's called the spirit of God. And what we also find out is another name for him is called the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Christ, Romans chapter eight, Romans chapter eight, look at verse nine of Romans chapter eight. It says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, capital S. If so be that the spirit, capital S, of God dwell in you. Now, if any have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Listen to me, y'all. I don't know if you write in your Bible, if you put, if you highlight, if you circle, if you underline, but you need to mark that verse. I'm going to read it again. Powerful verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. If ye are not in this flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God, right? That's the name that we looked at just before. The spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, none, he is none of his. The Bible says it doesn't do enough for you to just believe because even the demons know the name of God and tremble. But it's not just to know him, it's to believe and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ we're going to talk about that when we get into the doctrine of soteriology um, after um, here in a little while. All right. But the spirit of Christ, he's called the spirit of Christ, capital S, spirit of Christ. OK. The word Christ, which is important, means anointed. So, no, Jesus Christ is not his last name. Right. Um, his name is Jesus Christ. Christ means anointed. And so when you put Jesus Christ together, you get, the, you get the name anointed savior, right? The anointed savior or the anointed one who saves, all right? It's the spirit's relationship to Christ is what we see through that. It's really beautiful. And the title um, is connected with the believer's salvation. And we'll talk about that some more as we get into the doctrine of soteriology, all right? Looking, I'm excited about that. Soteriology meaning the doctrine um, of salvation. So we're learning the, the personality of the Holy Spirit. We see his personality revealed through his names. Uh, he is called the Holy Spirit. He is called the Spirit of God. He is called the Spirit of Christ. All right. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Listen to me, y'all. If you stick with me, you're going to know where all the verse, all the chapters, all the, all the books are at, man, because we flip around a lot. We flip around a lot. Of course, if you're um, sitting here with me um, in, in our Rooted Discipleship course, or if you are watching, uh, or if you're watching or listen to the podcast later, I encourage you, please sit with your Bible. Please sit with a notepad. Uh, because if you'll go along with along this journey with me, man, 
uh, we're going to see some great things happen. And you can really learn a lot. You can grow a lot. You'll, my goal is that when we're done with all 10 of these major doctrines, that you will be able to be able to well defend your faith, to know what scripture says about all the different topics. And of course, I want you to be able to check those out for yourself. So make sure that you, you take notes, you go back, ask questions, you know, challenge me on things that you don't know, you don't understand, or you don't think is was accurately depicted. I welcome all of that. So, uh, and of course, I don't pretend to know it all. And if there's something that I don't know, uh, which of course is entirely possible, um, I'll let you know that I don't know that answer. I'll study it out for you and uh, we'll, we'll come back and, and, and talk about it next time. All right. John 16, verse 13, it says, How be it when he, the spirit, capital S, of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So he is called the spirit of truth. He is called the spirit of truth, which is crazy because Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father uh, but by me. It points again to the power and the position of the Trinity. Him being the Holy Spirit, which he, uh, in his identity within himself, he also carries himself as the Spirit of God, also as the Spirit of Christ, also as the Spirit of truth, right? And we see that being connected in, uh, in, in, the, in the Trinity. It's, it's a beautiful picture. He is the essence, y'all, of, of truth. He is the source of truth. And that's why we see in the Holy Spirit, he personifies perfection and the harmony that comes alongside with being a part of the, tr the Trinity without any contradictions. It is gorgeous, y'all. It is gorgeous. And um, the last name uh, that we'll look at tonight, and also one of my favorite names, if not my favorite name for the Holy Spirit, is found in John chapter 15. We'll go back one chapter, John chapter 15. And look at verse 25. For this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Check this out. But when the Comforter, capital C, is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, capital F, even the Spirit, capital S, of truth. There's a name again. Have y'all noticed that? It's referencing, it's all over the place. As we look at other, other verses, and they talk about the different names of God, the different names of Christ, right? The different names of the Holy Spirit, they all are just harmonious with each other. I always say the Bible is the best commentary on itself. I have nothing against commentaries. I look at them from time to time, but scripture is so great at just cross-referencing itself. But when the Comforter, capital C, has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, capital F, even the Spirit, capital S, of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, capital F, he shall testify of me, and ye shall also bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. He is called the comforter. The word comforter means one called alongside two. It means one called alongside two, or one called to take up our part. Or one called to take up our part. He's, he's called to, to be someone um, right next to you. In a broad sense, he is a helper, uh, a securer, an aid, an assistant, right? So we're looking at him being the comforter. Uh, uh, what's beautiful to me is I kind of think about um, how the Bible talks about 
how he, God created Adam and Adam, of course, was alone. It's the first time in creation that God said it was not good. Um, and, and because of that, uh, be, because of that, uh, we see that God creates for him a helpmeet, a helpmeet in Eve. Uh, and it's derived from that very same sense, being a helper, right? That helpmeet, being called alongside to one who was called to take up um, our part um, as a helper, a securer again, right? An aid, an assistant. So his purpose um, is to lead and impart a deeper knowledge of the gospel and truth and to give divine strength needed for the task ahead of him. We're going to dive more into that. He's here to give the truth of the gospel and provide strength, the, the divine strength that's needed um, for, for the task ahead of him. Paul talked about in his, as he walked his walk, he said, I can do all things through Christ uh, which strengtheneth me, right? And he talks about in Philippians 4, all those trials and travails that he's gone through um, as a Christian, but it's the Holy Spirit, that comforter, that goes unto him. Remember, when the disciples were so worried, they said, man, you're going to leave us? And what did Jesus say to them? He said, I will not leave you comfortless, right? It is expedient for you that I go. It's to your best interest. Because if I don't go, the comforter cannot come unto you. So I love the word comforter. And just think about how God uses his Holy Spirit uh, to comfort uh, you and I uh, in the midst of going through our walk and as we strive to be uh, sanctified in Christ. And so um, just a real quick uh, recap. We talked about Christ and his identity. Who is he? He is eternal. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is holy, right? He is truth. But not just in his identity, we see who he is through his personality. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of truth. And he is uh, the comforter. He's the comforter. So I hope that, again, as we look at these different things, and as we, as we, as we look at our, at, at our walk with God, that we would be individuals who would learn uh, to, not just, uh, to not just look to learn some names or learn some information about the Holy Spirit, but that we would take those names, that we would, we would use that and apply them to our lives that we may live um, holy and set apart lives and use the devotional nature found um, um, in, uh, in the names of, of, of the Trinity, right? I think as Tasha Cobbs was saying the song, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, right? So there's power um, in the name of God, there's power in the name of Christ, there's power in the name of Jesus. When we get back, Next week, we're going to look at his personality and how that's revealed through his characteristics, right? And so we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that he does. And I'm so, so, so um, excited uh, for what that is going to look like. So until then, uh, well, actually, let me give, a, give you some room. Does anyone have any questions? Does anyone have any questions, comments, concerns about uh, what, we, what we talked about tonight? I have a question. Go for it. Yes. Um, what is this topic called again? Uh, um, I forget. It's I, called pneumatology. Pneumatology. Yeah, there... I just wrote it in in there for you. The yeah, doctrine said... of the Holy Spirit. Is there any more? What do you mean? Like, um, you said that pneumatology is um, the study of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. They're like, um. Are there like um, studies of different doctrines from the Bible? Yes, yeah, so like we looked at we looked at theology proper, 
which was the doctrine of God. And then we also looked at Christology, which is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, uh, the doctrine, excuse me, the doctrine of Christ. So all the other ones looking forward, we'll talk about um, the different ones. So for instance, we're going to talk about anthropology, um, which was the doctrine of man. We're going to look at soteriology, which is the doctrine of, the, of salvation. Wow. We're going to look at bibliology, which is the doctrine of the Bible. We're going to look at ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. We're going to look at angelology, the doctrine of the, of the angels. That's one of my favorites. I'm so excited about that. Oh, uh, wow. We're going to talk about uh -huh, eschatology, the doctrine of end times. So we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna go through a lot of stuff. Did I miss any? Let's see. One, two, three, four, oh, um, and we're also gonna look at Hamartiology, which is the doctrine of sin. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna get into a listen to me, y'all. I'm telling you that if you'll stick with your boy, if you will stick with me, I'm gonna my goal is to help you be so well rounded in the word. And through that, we're gonna cover a lot of different stuff, man. You're gonna this is a, a study to help really get your doctrine just really sturdy and strong and be, to be rooted and grounded in Christ. You feel me? So uh, I'm excited about that. Super excited. What I want, because, you know, I want to grow more in Christ. And I feel like, you know, this is the kind of stuff, like, I want to be, like, you know, seeking and learning. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. That's the point yeah. of it. We're going to – this is the meat and the potatoes of the word, man. No more milk Christianity. We're going to get in the meat of it. Amen. <laughs> Definitely. Like <laughs> That's to me that I'm trying to seek. That's what I was praying to God this morning. Yeah, that's what's up. I'm excited about that. Any yeah. other questions or comments? Um, I have two questions. Go for it. Um, I've always wondered about the how the Old Testament and the New Testament talk about the Holy Spirit. Because in the Old Testament, it was just the Holy Spirit was just referred to as the Spirit of God. And in New mm -hmm. Testament, it was the Holy Spirit. And even in the Old Testament, there was no indwelling. Well, the indwelling was for certain in individuals like Othniel, who was Caleb's son-in-law. He, it, it was specified that he had the indwelling of the Spirit and Joshua. And also Saul, I think the Spirit left him after a mm -hmm. while. But for Christians, um, from what I understand, and when we receive the Holy Spirit, He doesn't leave us. So yeah, that's always played on my mind. Why is there such a difference? Because I know He's been there since the beginning, like in Genesis, it was them that made the world, but He's referred to in very different ways. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for your grace on this because I'm gonna give you a very ambiguous answer. And the reason why that's going to happen is because we're actually, by the time we get done with soteriology, um, the doctrine of salvation, and by the time we finish pneumatology, and by the time we finish talking about um, uh, uh, just sin as a whole, we're going, and even we're going to see, you're going to see how all that comes to, going to plays a part and how that comes full circle. But the short answer is that the Holy Spirit's functioning was different. What allows us to be and dwell with the Holy Spirit now is salvation, right? 
whereby grieve at the Holy Spirit, whereby you were sealed until the day of redemption. So he sends his spirit to be a permanent, uh, his permanent thing. So remember, we talked about the different functions. He's the spirit of God, right? The spirit of God had a function. In that role, he did things like help Goliath to have amazing strength, or um, he, 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 the spirit came upon, on, uh, the spirit came upon, um, the spirit came upon uh, 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 David, and he was able to, to take down the giant with the, with the stone. So it, you, in, the, in the Old Testament, the, whole, the spirit of God, right, the spirit of God, he had, it was almost like a, like a boost. Um, the spirit of God would come, would impart onto people supernatural abilities or supernatural wisdom, supernatural um, understanding um, of different things like that. So it was a lot more fine-tuned, whereas his role as the spirit of Christ is indwelling the believer right, is indwelling the believer, which comes after his death, burial, and resurrection. You see what I'm saying? So in the Old Testament, his purpose was a little bit more fine-tuned and specific to what, to what he was doing, right? Because remember, they did not have complete, con and I don't, see, I don't want to go too far, but they didn't, they didn't have uh, atonement for their sins as the way that they had it after the sacrificial blood of the Lamb. Right. And so they were atoning for their sins on a yearly basis by performing the sacrifice. It wasn't even really like a like the actual real thing, but just a, a yearly atonement versus the, the, the lamb dying for the sins of man and what that made room for. I mean, Jesus dying on the cross really just like tore everything up. He tore the veil between us and God, made room for the Holy Spirit. He said, I had to go because the Holy Spirit's going to come and indwell every believer. So um, his 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 focus kind of shifts so that's the that's the short answer i don't want to go too far because it's like three doctrines in one okay thank you um does that second, make sense though um it does um you said you like it will all come together later so i'll look mm -hmm. forward to that um over the weekend my friends and i had bible study and we read from john 17 20 to 24 and it was basically say, um, Jesus saying that he's one with the Father and the Spirit and if we're, we're in him. And my mom took it to interpret that we're in the Trinity. And that also got me thinking, I'm not quite sure about it. Um, what do you understand by the passage? Okay. And so um, that's another one. See, I don't want to get too far because we're going we're gonna to see what that means within the doctrine of soteriology. Um, but um, the Bible says a lot of things, that once you become a child of God, you are adopted into the family of God. You're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, you know, there is one God, one spirit, uh, one God, one spirit, one body, one Christ. So there's a lot of different stuff that talks about, like, what unity in Christ looks like. Um, so it doesn't make us physically part of the Trinity, uh, but it, it, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. Uh, um, but just basically, uh, I know what you're talking about because there's even a song in it. You know, we are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one, right? And we'll, you know, so different stuff like that. And so um, basically, it's we're being engrafted. Scripture says we're engrafted into the vine. Uh, he says, "I'm the vine, you are the branches," and a lot of stuff. So. Um, the short answer is we are uh, now what, you know, the best way I can say is that we are in Christ. Um, and that's from a, just a spiritual standpoint, not that we, although we are now considered joint heirs and adopted into the family of God, that does not elevate us to the position of Christ, but it's, you know, like it's Christ's righteousness within us. Like it's, 
it's another one where you're going to have to just wait on me a little bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Because even with what I just said to you, there's so much information just in that, like, I didn't even do it justice. Uh, but I promise you, we're going to get into it. If you, I don't know if you're writing, if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write that question down and just, you know, because I think we're going to um, answer that, not just answer it, but in great detail. And that's, that subject by itself will take us a couple of, a couple of lessons to cover. So um, that's one of the things that I actually love about the word is how it's so intertwined. And by the time we get done, um, I believe with soteriology, I think you'll have all the answers to those two questions that you asked. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome very much. I was trying to, I'm like, I got so like excited. I'm like, oh, like I love talking about it, but I know that I'm going to jump way ahead if I get into it too much in detail. So I'm asking you all to be patient with uh, things like that. Anything else, everybody? Any other questions, comments, concerns, repeats? We good? All right. With that being said, thank you. It's have, so um, good to Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry about that. It's a um, good question, but it's more of a prayer request. If that's fine with you. Sure. Yes. Can you pray for my father? Okay, I'll tell you what. Let me end the podcast. And then we can talk about it some more. Sure thing. Thanks. All right. So everyone, thank you so much for, ha for hanging out with us. Um, it was great. And we hope to see you next week as we go into part two of Rooted, Rooted, Growing Deeper in Christ. See you next time.